Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, Editor-in-Chief at BuffaloRumblings.com. Just wanted to remind you, you can always leave us your questions here at Buffalo Rumblings Q&A at 716-508-0405. Tweet us at Rumblings Q&A with the word and spelled out in the middle. Leave us questions in the show notes at buffalorumblings.com. Email us at buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. You can even send us messages on Facebook or Instagram using Buffalo Rumblings over on those social media platforms. This week, we're taking all of your questions from Reddit. I did an AMA over on Reddit before Bill's training camp. So we're going to take our questions from there. Make sure you send yours in as training camp picks up. Training camp kicks off this week on Thursday. And so we've got a lot to get to about position battles, uh, how we think stuff is going to shake out, where the uncertainty lies as the Bills enter training camp, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So stay tuned, listen to the whole episode, and go Bills. Our first question comes from Orange Crush 19. Matt, who is your predicted starter at defensive tackle alongside Star Latulale? Do you think we go with Oliver, Jordan Phillips, or a shocking upset performance from Harrison Phillips? I think it won't be long until Ed Oliver is in the starting lineup, but I don't think he's going to start training camp as the first player taking a snap, if that makes sense to you. Um, they need a penetrating presence, and, and both Harrison Phillips and Jordan Phillips don't really provide that. And they certainly don't do it as well as Ed Oliver does. Oliver's going to come in and play that. Kyle Williams penetrating three-tech defensive tackle while Starr eats up blockers. That's the one-tech defensive tackle. So Oliver really is so suited to this defense. It's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous that he's going to be replacing Kyle Williams. They're all going to rotate in a lot. Um, Starr and Kyle, I think, played something like 60 to 70% of the snaps last year on defense. So Jordan Phillips and Harrison Phillips are going to get 40% of the snaps or somewhere around there. So it's not like they won't be on the field. It's not like they're throwing away money by re-signing Jordan Phillips. All of them are going to get snaps and and play in this heavy defensive line rotation that Sean McDermott likes to do. So I think it's going to be Ed Oliver by the end of training camp, surely, if not sooner than that. Thanks for your question, Orange Crush 19 flintstone 03 asks who do you think wins out the cornerback two and slot cornerback jobs trey white has cb1 locked up but ej Gaines, levi wallace and kevin johnson are all going to compete for the cb2 spot 
and if Wallace doesn't win that job, he might compete for the slot cornerback with Taron Johnson. Well, I think that Kevin Johnson has been really, really good so far this spring, but we really can't know anything until the pads come on and they can start doing contact and jamming at the line of scrimmage and all of the things that go into being an NFL cornerback. When it's just the passing shell, when it's just helmets and and guys running around the field, Kevin Johnson can use his athleticism to uh, disrupt the passing lanes. But when it's, you know, trying to jam guys at the line so they can't get off into their routes and being physical in the field, you can't really do that during those spring practices. Uh, Levi Wallace was the guy that was first up in the rotation in the spring and Kevin Johnson was playing against the second teamers. So we'll see how that rotation plays out once uh, training camp starts. But having three guys that can play that outside cornerback role is is a great problem to have, especially if they're going to be cross-training guys into the slot where Taron Johnson has been injured frequently. Uh, Buffalo seems to be going more toward that big nickel safety than they were with a backup, say, slot cornerback. Uh, so big nickel versus the the nickel corner, kind of a uh, kind of a thing, which is a Sean McDermott staple from his days back in Carolina, and he's tried to bring to Buffalo, but hasn't really had the personnel to do it. So we'll see a couple different guys as that nickel uh, defensive back at some point. We'll see safeties there. We'll see other cornerbacks there, but um, Taron Johnson will get the first crack at that nickel cornerback job and then Levi Wallace will probably get a chance to hold on to his job if he can be physical enough if he can make the right decisions going into year two uh, he could definitely keep that role but Kevin Johnson's a former first round pick EJ Gaines has been a starter for the Buffalo Bills and Sean McDermott before so there's a lot of great competition if the offensive line wasn't such a huge turnover that cornerback job might be the top position battle we'd be watching going into training camp but with all of the questions on the offensive line um, and even at wide receiver it's kind of being pushed down the list it's absolutely wide open and if you think Wallace or Johnson or Gaines has the inside track well somebody else might have a very different opinion thanks for the question on reddit Reddit user Acceptable Hack asks us, what position screws them the most if they lose a starter? I circled through tight end as a possibility, but they already lost Croft, and they have Dawson Knox, who's a third-round pick this year. It's going to be hard for him to make the transition from college to the NFL quickly. They have Jason Kroom, who has NFL experience. They also have Lee Smith, who's going to still serve his role as that kind of blocking tight end. Um... But I think tight end is where they were really needing Tyler Croft to be able to play at the beginning of the season to allow Dawson Knox to really grow into the role. Um, It could be safety, but they have guys with experience behind Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Those two guys just play at such a high level. It would be hard to replace them. You could get bodies in there that could play safety. And so it's probably not safety. Um, How much do you trust Matt Barkley at quarterback? But I'm going to go with uh, defensive end and Jerry Hughes. And that's even more specific than um, than Acceptable Hack asks for. Um, I think Jerry Hughes is irreplaceable on this team. He is by far the most consistent pass rusher, and they have nobody on 
the team that has been able to provide any sort of pass rush with any regularity since oh, I don't know, Sean McDermott took over as the head coach. So if Jerry Hughes gets hurt, the Bills are in definite, definite trouble with their pass rush. So I'm going to say uh, Jerry Hughes is the, it would be the position that screws them the most if they lose a starter, would be the defensive end pass rusher where Jerry Hughes is. Thanks for your question. Acceptable hack on Reddit. <laughs> User Friarface asks us, I firmly believe that the offense is going to live and die with Josh Allen's progression this year. That being said, what do we do if he fails to develop further? What would be the timetable for moving on? I don't want this to happen, and I hope Allen's the truth, but once bitten, twice shy, and I've been a lifelong 30-plus years Bills fan. Josh Allen is going to get the 2019 season to prove he's the guy at quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. If he plays the same level as he did in 2018, they'll probably look to bring in another viable quarterback in uh, 2020. Now that can mean a lot of different things, but it's probably a veteran who's been released somewhere else or a guy with some starting experience somewhere else. And uh, it wouldn't necessarily be a competition in 2020, but it would be kind of a safety blanket in 2020. Um, I'm thinking more along the lines of Kyle Orton with EJ Manuel, somebody that could come in and if, if Allen falls on his face in 2020 offseason and doesn't show any improvement, that maybe that veteran could come in. Because at that point, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean will be playing for their jobs if Allen doesn't develop. Uh, if he regresses from where he was in 2018, I could see the Bills making an actual investment in an actual quarterback and just doing a straight-up competition in 2020. Again, for the same reasons. If... If the Bills go, I don't know, 4-12 and 12 because Josh Allen has a terrible year, even though they've put all of these pieces around him on the defense and the offense, the Bills are going to have to make a decision in what's best for the team moving forward. They can't put out a regressed Josh Allen in 2020. If he takes another step this year, they could always bring in a veteran that has starting experience that's a little bit better caliber than uh, Matt Barkley. But the dude proved he could win games last year at that level. So if he stays at that level or gets better in 2019, then 2020 is going to be kind of that, okay, we're going to give him another year, kind of turn into the Blake Bortles or Andy Dalton kind of thing. We, we need him to keep getting better and keep getting better and keep getting better. If he starts to stagnate, that's when I think the Bills are going to add some competition to try to drive him, but also to hedge their bets because at some point, even with all the goodwill that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have built up in this town, they're going to be playing for their jobs if Josh Allen doesn't develop further and play better than he did in 2018. Thanks for your question. On Reddit. Rocket Robbie asks us, how do you think our running game is going to look this year? How do you think the sharing will go about... And who do you think will still be on the team in week one? Well, I just said that I think Yeldon's going to be cut. Uh, for right now, I'm just going to go straight down the list. It's going to be LaShawn McCoy, Frank Gore, and Devin Singletary. And until I see otherwise, that's kind of where I'm, I'm leaning. 
I think the running game is going to be improved overall because of the offensive line additions. Um, and because I think Frank Gore is going to really solidify that room, it's going to push LaShawn McCoy where he wasn't really pushed last year. And so he's, instead of maybe not making that that cut or hitting the hole or going out of bounds when he should try to fight for a couple extra yards, I think he's really going to be motivated to do well in 2019, especially because it's a contract year for him. I also think that people are overlooking Sonoris Perry, who has a chance to make the roster as a special teams player, but is listed at running back. So don't forget about him. Thanks for your question, Rocket Robbie. We'll be right back after this quick break. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. BSA554 has a piggyback question to the previous question. He says, Hi Matt, I'm super optimistic about the upcoming season. In fact, way more than I probably should be. Obviously the big threat to the team's success in 2019 is Josh Allen not progressing. Besides quarterback, do you see any other potential trouble spots on the roster that could really sink the season? I circle back to that tight end conversation we already had about Tyler Croft. It really throws off their plan. And with Dawson Knox coming in, trying to make that big transition from college tight end to pro tight end, and Jason Kroon being really the only alternative that could step in and play significant snaps at the tight end position, they're really in a world of hurt right now at the tight end. But I don't think it's necessary for them to have great tight end play to be successful. I'm going to go with the offensive line to answer this question. The offensive line could be worse this year, even though the individual pieces are better, just because of all of the uncertainty on who's going to play where. They have never played with each other before. You know, left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle. All of them could be brand new people. 
And so it's going to take a while for them to gel. And especially if, say, I don't know, five or six weeks into the season, they're just starting to round into form and then there's an injury where they have to move somebody and say two new spots are created on the offensive line. Now you're starting from scratch with all that chemistry. Um, you know, Mitch Morris has never made the offensive line calls in Buffalo. So there's just a lot of uncertainty going into that offensive line that could really backfire on them. And even though all of those individual players are better, um, you could see the offensive play offensive line play actually get worse. I don't anticipate that happening. I, I think it was pretty bad last year. And so even a, it would be hard for it to regress from from where it was last year just with the talent they brought in but I can see the offensive line still being a mess in 2019 and uh, really throwing off Josh Allen's development they obviously have done everything that they could to upgrade the offensive line now it's just up to Bobby Johnson and the rest of the Bills coaching staff to make sure that it actually solidifies into something that can help the Bills offense moving forward Thanks for your question, BSA554. Goodfundies31 asks, If you had to choose two surprise cuts, one from each side of the ball, who would they be? I'm going to go on defense with Eddie Yarbrough, somebody that a lot of Bills fans remember from a couple years ago when he was able to burst onto the scene after making the transition from the CFL and play his way onto the roster during training camp. He was not very good in 2018. Uh, I don't know if he has a roster position going into 2019 with Mike Love, uh, really outplaying him down the stretch in 2018. We'll see how that goes, and when we're talking about the fourth defensive end being your surprise cut, I, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know, anticlimactic. It's not exactly a surprise. Um, on offense, I think that running back position is the key area to look for for a surprise cut. A lot of people are trying to keep LaShawn McCoy, Frank Gore, Devin Singletary, and TJ Yeldon on their offenses when they do a 53-man roster projection, and I think one of those guys is going to be cut. It's not going to be Singletary, but any of the other three could be cut, and I would call it a surprise, even though we know one of them is probably going to be cut. So if it's LaShawn McCoy, obviously people would be surprised. If it's TJ Eldon, there's a, a segment of the fan base that would be surprised. Same with Frank Gore. So I, I think McCoy and Gore are safe, so my surprise cut on offense is going to be TJ Eldon heading into training camp. Um, so... Again, we're talking about mild surprises, not, oh my gosh, I can't believe they released Manny Lawson was a surprise cut several years ago now. But I can't see a whole lot of like big time surprise cuts like, I don't know, Zay Jones getting cut or something like that. So I, I'm going with uh, TJ Yeldon and Eddie Arborough for this. Dirty Deeds, Inc. asks, They addressed a lot of issues this offseason, but what do you think is our biggest unresolved question for this year? To me, the biggest unresolved question is on the offensive line and who is going to play where. Is Deion Dawkins going to return to his rookie season form at left tackle, or is he going to slide to guard, or is he going to stay the same as he was in 2018? 
is Ty Inseki going to play right tackle, left tackle? Is he going to be the backup swing tackle like he was in Washington? What's going to happen with him? Can uh, Cody Ford come in and, and earn that right tackle job and push Ty Inseki back to that swing tackle role? The only really legitimate thing we have and understand and know on the offensive line is Mitch Morse, who's penned in at center. But the rest of it's kind of up in the air. It seems like Spencer Long has entrenched at that left guard spot. We'll see how that changes once you know the pads start flying and the hits start happening out at St. John Fisher. But he's taken almost every rep at first team left guard. And when he wasn't taking the reps at first team left guard, it was because he was playing center with Mitch Morris out. So it looks right now like it's going to be Dawkins, Long, and Morse on the left side. What's going to happen with the rest of the line is really, really up in the air. So that's the biggest unresolved question um, going forward. Thanks for your question, Dirty Deeds, Inc. Bitter IPA asks us, how do you see John Brown fitting into the Bills offense this year? It seems like a good fit for Josh Allen's style of play, but I also get the feeling he's got a similar skill set to Robert Foster. I think Brown is going to be on the field a lot, and I'm looking at Kelvin Benjamin at the beginning of the 2018 season. He was seeing 60 to 80% of the snaps for the first half until of the season until they moved on from him, or they decided they were going to move on from him and sort of benched him and then released him. So that 60 to 80% of the snaps range is probably where I see John Brown. Now at the end of the last season, Zay Jones and Robert Foster were both over 90% of the snaps for several weeks at the end of the year. That's not going to continue, in my opinion. I don't think it's what they wanted to do. I think it's kind of what they were forced to do. So if you see John Brown on the field for 80% of the snaps and Zay Jones on the field for 90% of the snaps, that leaves Cole Beasley getting, what, 50% of the snaps, 60% of the snaps, and maybe Robert Foster coming in for... I don't know, 30% of the snaps or 40% of the snaps as your fourth wide receiver. I know a lot of people love Foster, but I've talked about him enough on this podcast for you guys to know that I think he's probably going to be the fourth receiver when all is said and done at the end of training camp. Pixel Pete goes a little bit behind the curtain and asks, from a writer's perspective, what do you think is the most difficult thing about pro football to write about are there any dangerous subjects that you find catch a lot of flack from fans absolutely i do um trying to be critical of a fan favorite is a very difficult proposition it's you you have to go back and reread it two or three times before you actually click publish even though you might not do it as much of a close read as you would on some other articles. If you're being critical of somebody everybody hates, I can write that article, read it once for you know copy mistakes like a typo or uh, commas, things like that, and then just click publish. But if it's a, a fan favorite that I am going after with an opinion, I'll have somebody else read it to make sure that it's going to come across the right way. And you have to worry about how it's going to come across more than the content of it. So when Sean McDermott punted against the Indianapolis Colts in overtime of the Snowvertime game, 
Um, and there was what, four and a half minutes left, or I don't remember how much time there was left anymore, but I thought it was the dumbest decision I've seen a head coach make in a long, long time. The Bills didn't need to tie that game. The Bills needed to win that game to keep their playoff hopes alive, and they were punting the ball away with very little chance of scoring, in my opinion. So they eventually get the ball back. Indianapolis, for some reason, decides that they want to pass the ball, so the Bills get a couple of free uh, clock stoppages. And then it took a miracle pass from Joe Webb to, I think it was Deontay Thompson. I mean, Kelvin Benjamin had a pretty good catch in the game, but I can't remember which one of it was an overtime. But it took a miraculous catch in overtime for the Bills to win that game. And you're asking your third quarterback, who is normally a special teamer and not even quarterback, to lead your team down the field on in the two-minute offense in the middle of a snowstorm to win the game for you and I just thought it was really improbable and bad clock management and I wrote an article about it but because the Bills were doing well and in the playoff race with Sean McDermott everyone's like oh you can't criticize McDermott because they won the game and that's garbage like you need to call people out when they do something that's wrong and so whether that's you know LaShawn McCoy doing something dumb I'm not talking about domestic abuse but like saying something stupid and and calling him out for saying something stupid. Or, I mean, even back in the day, Stevie Johnson talking about Toronto in glowing terms and saying it was somewhat better than Buffalo and and all this. I mean, I've called out fan favorites in the past, and it just gets a lot of blowback from fans. And I take a lot of flack for it. Even Richie Incognito when he was here was a fan favorite. And if you suggested any, I don't know, anything about his bullying past or that maybe he was making bad decisions or something like that that like I mean we got a lot of flack for that and when that Jacksonville Jaguars defensive end accused him of saying racist stuff people were quick to to jump to Richie's defense but now looking back we know he probably did say something on the field um he was cut by the team just a few months later um and arrested twice in about a six-month span so all of that stuff happened between January and June in 2018 so I mean we but at the time a lot of Bills fans jumped at his defense even though they knew his history and even though he was maybe on the start of a downward spiral so just writing articles about fan favorites is very difficult to do because you get so much flack from Bills fans it's a good question thanks for it on reddit that's going to do it for this episode of buffalo rumblings q and a i want to thank the folks over at reddit for hosting my ask me anything over the weekend you can send in your questions for next week's episode now that training camp is kicking off at 716-508-0405, voicemail or text messages there. You can send your questions to buffalorumblings at sbnation.com, comment in our show notes, send us messages on Facebook, Instagram, lots of ways to get in touch with the show. We've got a lot of big questions that need to be answered over the course of the next few weeks at Bill's training camp, and I look forward to finding out what's going to happen just alongside you. Go Bills. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. 
For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.